And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet, the John Campus Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. I'm uh, at least up at the front. I'm flying solo today. Of course, uh, Chris Carr... She has Tuesdays and Thursdays off, as she always does. And uh, Rob has uh, a dog. He has several dogs, several beautiful dogs. And uh, one of them is getting ready to have puppies, and he had to take the dog to the vet this morning. So I'm up here by myself, but I am not all by my lonesome. Over there, we got Ray Aura is joining us there, right beside him, running the show today. We got Taylor, and beside him, of course, is Jonathan Voico. <laughs> and most importantly, of course, guys, you are here, and here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to talk about some topics first, and then in the last part of the show, if you are one of our beloved channel members, and thank you for being one of our channel members, we're going to be taking channel member chats uh, at the end of the show. There's going to be a post that's going to be put up in the community tab of our YouTube channel. If you're one of our channel members, you know where that's at. And right near the end of our main topics, a post will appear there that only our channel members can see. And you can fire in questions and thoughts there. And we will read those off and address those in the last part of the show. All right, guys. With that down, let's dive right into it, shall we? Because we got a few things here to talk about off the top. And the first thing is this. You know, um, surprisingly... One of the, the movies I am really looking for, and I say surprisingly because I, I have not always felt this way, is the new Super Mario Brothers animated movie. I have, I'd be lying if I said for I was always looking forward to and I was always excited about it. I wasn't. I mean, I was, I was curious about it. I've never been against the movie. But I'll tell you what, when they started running the trailers, that first trailers where... Uh, I think, what, what was the line that Mario said in the first year? There was one line. It was like, where am I? Or yeah, something. Like, where am I? Yeah, where am I? Or something like that, right? And everybody... And then he goes, let's go. Well, that's the other one, though. Everybody on three words yeah. <laughs> lost their shit. Yeah. On three words, completely <laughs> lost their shit. Like, that doesn't sound anything like you're supposed to say. Like, guys, come on. I mean, I didn't like it either, but it was just three words. Yeah. Now... Then the full trailer came out, and the full trailer looked great. I loved the full trailer. And all the stuff they've had come out since then has been really, really good. Everything I've seen, I think, has looked great. And I have changed my perspective on this movie could do okay to I now believe that this is going to be the number one box office movie of the year. I, I actually, more than any upcoming Marvel thing or anything else coming out, I think the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to end up being the number one box office film of the year. And just because the reactions I've seen from audiences and theaters, when I went to Super Nintendo World at Universal, I saw people literally weeping and crying walking into that place. It's It was just amazing, and I now believe. And now, according to reports, it's coming out sooner than we thought. Yeah. Because according now to stories, they have decided, Universal Studios decided to move up the Super Mario Brothers movie from April 7th all the way 
to 48 full hours sooner on April 5th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that That's is balls. <laughs> that is some balls right there. Mm -hmm. Now, look, is this a significant move? <laughs> no. Is this like the ultimate show that the studio has supreme faith in this movie? Well, in the lifespan of a housefly, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like I was going to see it now and now i'm gonna have to see it with my grandchildren <laughs> if you're a housefly but yes it, but so no it's not a huge thing but it is something it it, it is something and mm -hmm. i think it's kind of an acknowledgement that there is a larger anticipation now look i didn't look at the release date schedule jonathan maybe you can look that sure. up but i don't know if they moved it a couple of days early to maybe avoid what might be coming out after that <laughs> Or but giving it a few extra days, just giving it a few extra days to have a little because, you know, a leap in the weekend. You know what? It, it, they actually I think it's because the original release date was Good Friday. So I'm wondering if that's why mm, that could be just to move it a couple days earlier. But but here's the thing about that. Um, did the Pope recently put out a tweet saying they've moved Good Friday? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Italian Catholic. You think I would have known that? No, I mean, the thing is, they've always known that that day was Good Friday. It's not like they woke up one day and said, wait a minute, wait, 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 shit. Did we schedule this thing to open on Good Friday? Like, they probably didn't know that. So I'm getting... I mean, there's get there's nothing really. Joyland showing up, paint. Well, that's the Bob Ross uh, movie with Owen Wilson, but... It's not like they're going to be terrified no. of that. And, and that's... Yeah. Yeah. So why why two days? I don't know. You know what? It may just be an excuse to get them in the headlines again. Two day move doesn't really change it. You know what? Whatever it is, I'm happy that we're going to get to see it a little bit earlier than we thought. I am very excited about this movie. I think the trailers have looked awesome. I still think now, again, I reserve the right to change my mind once I've seen the movie. If the movie's not any good, it's not going to be the number one box office film of the year. But if this movie's good, after seeing the passion for this property, and the fact that we haven't had a Nintendo movie since that, what was it, Bob Hoskins in Super Mario Brothers? It's, it's like, a been a while. It's a been a little <laughs> while. And listen, I, I and I tell you what, as an Italian-Canadian, as a guy whose actual name is Giovanni, son of Pasquale, son of the original Giovanni, uncles who are Sagarlo, Romolo, Vincenzo, and Carlo, my aunts are Pina, Leonora, and Maria. I can tell you this, as an Italian-Canadian, I'm very excited to see some real, authentic Italian representation on screen. Yeah. None of this rocky nonsense. Yeah. I want real Italian representation. Come on, Godfather. Ugh. Ugh, come on. <laughs> like, get some real Italian representation. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Uh, the, they've just moved up the release date of Mario Brothers two count them two full <laughs> days a uh, big deal absolutely no deal whatsoever just a way for them to get the movie in the headlines again hey it worked we're sitting here talking about it whatever you guys think jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's get into our next topic here and that is this you know speaking of properties that uh, that we're all familiar with and know peter pan right peter pan i We'll go on record right now. To hell with all of you Hook haters. I love Hook. I love that Dustin Hoffman, uh, Robin Williams, Steven Spielberg masterpiece. I love Hook. Bangarang. It's, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's my favorite iteration of Peter Pan so far. Well, there's a new iteration of Peter Pan coming on Disney Plus called Peter Pan and Wendy. 
and that movie is coming. And today they dropped the first trailer for Peter Pan and Wendy with Jude Law. I had no idea that was Jude Law. Mm. I watched the trailer for this before I looked up the cast list and everything. No idea that that was Jude Law whatsoever. Even in hearing the voice and now knowing mm -hmm. it's Jude Law, looking at Jude Law, I still don't see it. But I love Jude Law as an actor. Excited for that. So I watched the trailer for this thing. And, you know, to hell with Disney and their straight to straight to their streaming movies, because quite frankly, normally they're crap. But I, listen, I got to give credit where credit's due. This looks like the best iteration of Peter Pan ever. I, I mean, I thought, I thought the feel of this trailer was absolutely perfect. And listen, there have been a lot of iterations of Peter Pan. There have. And some good, some bad, whatever. But just the trailer for this. And listen, I get it. I know we've all seen a million great trailers to movies that turn out to be absolute horse crap. I know that. And maybe that'll be the case here, too. Maybe that will very well. But there's something about the feel of it. Mm -hmm. um, it just felt so great. Just with the when when the one kid says Peter found it like he found all of us and that they show the little lost boys. Right. There's something so true about that. And even when he shows up in Wendy's window and her brothers are there, and they're like, Peter Pan, like just I don't know. And then, of course, the menacing voice of Jude Law as Hook. I thought this trailer looked great and we all just saw it in here for the first time before we started the show hey, jonathan you you saw the trailer right and what do you think of it well i think um going off of what you just said cinematically it's shot for realism uh the color so i'm not a hook hater either but you could tell everything in hook was a set and it was also colored brightly the saturation were just kind of like cranked a little more that was the 90s that was that was that look at that time right this looks grounded it looks a little more like the late later harry potter films like half blood prince and and um uh, what was the last one of course i'm drawing a blank uh the Deathly uh Hollows. The Deathly Hollows? you know a little more grounded a little more like gray you could see this and i at first i was like wow that looks like a young mila jovovich turns out it is it's, it's mila jovovich's daughter, daughter. Yeah. yeah she looks she looks great the, as wendy by the, the way yeah that looks great the flying shots where they're going over the ocean and they see the mermaids and oh, then kind of just beautiful. barely ducks that cannon uh ball i mean everything just looks a lot more grounded in realism obviously yes flying children is not real but but it, it does seem like speak for yourself i believe yeah and because of that the tension to me kind of rises too a little more whereas hook I don't know. You didn't really feel any, find too much tension. I mean, Dustin Hoffman was was definitely intimidating, but it and was Bob also very, Hoskins is Smee. Yeah, I loved was, him. They were still running off that kind of comical feel. Sure. So we'll yeah. see how this tone. We've only seen the first trailer. We'll see how the tone goes. Ray, you proclaimed that this was the best looking movie you've ever seen in your life when you watched the trailer. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I said. <laughs> that was close to that's kind of like what I yeah. that was close to almost word for word what I said. If you're living in the I will down. say that not having watched any of the Peter Pan movies, wow. this looks to be one that I might watch. That's high praise. Yeah. That's I mean, that's actually high praise. I might watch anything. That's that's that that tells you the impact of this movie well, is going to have in society. We haven't discussed runtime yet, Ray. I, um, you, but you know what? I this does look good. Time. This does look good. The it looks a lot more. Dare I say it? Some of the shots look a lot more like they're in Neverland than uh, Rings of Power looked like they were in whatever place. Middle they were Earth. In. Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah. In Middle Earth. 
some of those shots actually look like they're in this imaginary place. So that's very verisimilitude. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, if I watch, I'll, I'll probably end up watching it because you'll probably force me to watch it, like with you, <laughs> as I barbecue or something like that. But no, no, no. It actually does look great. I, th I think it looks good. It, it looks w way too good for a Disney Plus movie. Well, it, it does look thing. better than a Disney Plus. That's movie. my thing. And and with those studies that have proven releases in theater draw attention to the to the streaming service when you put it on they the streaming absolutely service. should just release this at least for two weeks and then bring it in i, I mean it i don't see why they're not doing a theatrical release on this it, it looks great to me now however there is one unbeliever in the room yep because taylor like you didn't like the trailer uh i gotta say you guys i am one of the biggest peter pan fans Ooh. on the planet doesn't sound like it i, I am though yeah. because i even have a peter pan tattoo second start of the right oh, burn right, it right, off right. the location burn of it off neverland yeah. uh spoilers i just gave it out captain hook's gonna find you guys but the perfect live action peter pan movie already came out 20 years ago this year I'm going to show it to you guys right now. You guys, some of you already know what I'm talking about. Peter Pan starring Jeremy Sumter. This live action adaptation of Peter Pan is lit. And I'm probably in the minority on that. God, that was horrible. I'm not sold on this iteration yet. I got, oh, what? You said it was horrible? It was horrible. Okay, I got to go. I, I, I'm not sold just yet. Um, I need That's a little bit more. It. Not against it yet, but... I want to see what the crocodile looks like. I just want to see a little bit more of the. Yeah, there's a lot we have. All right, all right, all right. He looked that fine. All right, you put yourself on now. Uh huh. If this movie is really good, you have to get a new tattoo. Get a new tattoo. <laughs> all right. What do you want it to be? Of the same thing. Just write it over. This movie was released and put it underneath that tattoo. Okay, two tattoos. Exact thing. Guys, the question is for you. Did you have a chance to see this new trailer for Disney Plus's? I don't know why they're dumping it on Disney Plus. For Disney Plus's Peter Pan Wendy, it looks surprisingly good for me. I think it's the best looking iteration of Peter Pan we've seen so far. Granted, though, we're only saying that based on the trailer. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this here, shall we? Now, Mandalorian comes out for us in Los Angeles tonight. At midnight it is game day. Game, game day. day. Tonight, midnight. Very new season of Mandalorian. The best looking season of Mandalorian so far. Filled with Mandalorians. Going to Mandalore. There's going to be action and thrills and excitement and a whole bunch of Baby Yoda. Very, very excited about it. Now. Lest we forget, though, it was not all that long ago that we had some controversy surrounding the Mandalorian show in the fact that we did have a character called Cara Dune that was played by former, what was it, American warrior and uh, MMA fighter yeah. Gina Carano, who's also in the original Deadpool movie, by the way. Uh, now, Gina has never been what you would call a good actress. <laughs> um, she she infamously once starred in a movie where the director decided they had to overdub her voice with another actress's voice for the entire film. But I will tell you this, she got better. Like she was once quite bad, but she, I, I think as we watched her career, I think we saw her get better. And when she appeared in Mandalorian as Cara Dune, um, I thought she played the character. She was never in a position to win any Emmys. Don't get me wrong. But I thought she played the character well. I liked her portrayal of the character. And I liked the character a lot themselves. Now, of course, Disney ultimately had to part ways. 
with her due to the fact that uh, you know she kept saying stuff and she wouldn't stop saying stuff even after they asked her several times and they decided we can't work together. That's fine. So we haven't heard about Cara Dune ever since, but we might hear about Cara Dune again at some point because according to the producers, the Cara Dune character is still in the Star Wars universe, is still in the Mandalorian universe. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the producers of it has also directed a little bit of it. They, Rick uh, Femiua, he said this about the Cara Dune character. He said, Cara was a big part and continues as a character to be a part of the world. It had to be addressed in the creative, and John Favreau took the time to think about that. Executive producer and director Rick Femiua said to Deadline, it was something that was discussed and we knew it was going to have an impact on the show, but... At the same time, what has been at the heart of the show are the two characters, Din Djarin and Grogu. So ultimately, it felt like servicing of that and around the Mandalorians. So the producers are he sitting here saying that, listen, um, the Cara Dune character is still there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we it, it was fine. We didn't have to worry about suddenly this character was gone because ultimately at the heart of it, this character was not about, you know, Mando and Baby Yoda and Cara Dune, or Mando and Baby Yoda, and Apollo Creed, and <laughs> Mando, the American Gladiator, and <laughs> the American Gladiator. This show is about Mando and Baby Yoda. Yeah. That, that's who the show's about. So they said we didn't have to think about that. Now, I think it's interesting though that they decided they can even bring this up and address this because it makes me wonder. If something that I would have considered to be an impossibility a little while ago, that they would just recast Cara Dune, because the character is great. And you know, my I love actors, I respect the work of actors, but actors are not the characters. They play the role of characters. And just like the person doing the lighting, if that person can't come in, another person can come in and do the lighting. If one actor can't play the role anymore, I like that figure. <laughs> if one person can't play the role anymore, go out and get somebody else to come in and play the role. And with the fact that they had no reference, they went like a full season without Cara Dune, that now if they wanted to bring in a new actress to play Cara Dune, it wouldn't be as jarring as it maybe would have been if we just finished seeing Gina Carano playing it and then all of a sudden, the very next episode, we watch somebody else is playing it. Now look, I'm not saying, and they're certainly not saying here, that hey guys, Cara Dune's coming back, but I just kind of think the fact that they're even addressing it a little bit, could very well, could, could very well mean that maybe we see Cara Dune again. I don't think this season, I think they probably would have made some, that would have gotten out. But mm -hmm. maybe, you know, John Favreau said he's already finished writing season four. So maybe next season is something they could be looking at. I don't know. And listen, for me, myself, I'd be down for it. I, I would be totally be down how for do, it. I like the character. How does the uh, Lego Cara Dune fit into this whole equation? <laughs> I think we just announced a spoiler for the upcoming season. She's coming As in toys keep forward. burning it, toys keep burning it. By the way, side note, I almost did a story today and I decided not to. There was a story going around a little bit earlier today about another toy leak um, for the upcoming movie Shazam. I won't say mm. what it was, but the toy of another character that's appearing in Shazam, like with the packaging on the character from Shazam. Fury of the Gods, right? 
And I was going to do it. And then I started thinking, oh, I don't know about this. And then I saw the original site that posted it. They decided to delete it. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing that. So did we just slip that Lego Cara Dune appears in Mandalorian? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, let's, let's go back to the Cara Dune thing. Okay. It's a very unfortunate what happened. It, oh, it, it seemed like they were positioning this character to be some sort of force in 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 whatever this disney plus universe is remember they had a show coming out called yeah. rangers of the new republic there, there, and i think she was going to be a part of that there's a lot of squad base i think things yeah, yeah. going to go on with it with a team i thought it would considering all the stuff we've been getting lately i mean i thought hell why not this might be good the idea I mean, of that show wasn't bad to me it was the thought that she was going to be the lead on it i didn't feel like she was a strong lead i i thought if you had asked me a year before Mandalorian season one came out, I uh, would have said, I would agree. But after watching her play Cara Dune, I thought, you know what? As long as it's an ensemble thing mm -hmm. where it's not just totally focused on one person, I think she could have led that series. Yeah, she like, could have. Loosely. Like, loosely, loosely led and, that series. And look at her. Look at her. Oh, yeah, she's She cute. can run a squad. I mean, she yeah. is a big, like, as in, she could tear things up i think <laughs> yeah so and, but again it's it look people make individual yeah. personal choices and it's it's unfortunate that it worked out the way it is but you know what mandalorian season two did just fine and mandalorian season three which starts tonight tonight it's gonna be just as good too anyway guys question is for you what do you think about this the producers of mandalorian on the eve of season three debuting are talking about the fact that hey don't forget cara dune is still out there do you think maybe we could see the character again played by somebody else i mean they're they're never going to have gina carano play it again but could we see the character again i'd be up for it whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to this shall we we've been talking a lot lately about the fact that one of the things that sucks about working in organizations or teams is that somebody else's stupidity can bite you in the ass. Uh, we saw it, obviously, and that continues to play out with poor Andy Muschietti, who directed the upcoming Flash film, who all Andy Muschietti did, according to everything we've heard, is just make maybe one of the best comic book movies ever. We'll, we'll decide that for ourselves when we see it, which we're going to see it in April, boys. We're seeing that Flash movie in April at CinemaCon. Anyway. Mm -mm. <laughs> but it really does suck when somebody else has to cause you problems. Well, man, I feel for Aziz Ansari. Mm -hmm. Tom Hatherford from Parks and Rec. And why would I feel bad for him? Well, listen, he had a movie that he was working on, his directorial debut, called Being Mortal. And I believe Seth Rogen was in it mm -hmm. and uh, had some big names in it. We're going to start along with them. And they had Bill Murray in it. Unfortunately, uh, Bill Murray decided to straddle some girl. Uh, there was, uh, you know, there were some accusations. Mm -hmm. Bill Murray eventually had to go to court with this girl. He had to settle out of court. I think he had to pay her $100,000 or something like that. But the, ultimately, the movie, the studio behind the movie decided to put the whole thing on, on hold while they try to figure out how to deal with this whole thing. Well, unfortunately now, it looks like the movie is done. And not done as in completed. I mean, it's not happening. Uh, so let's go to my screen here for a second, and we'll bring this up. Now, according to, to the reports here, it's been a troubling times for Bill Murray since the reports of his inappropriate... Um, let me see if I can get this little smaller here 
Yeah, there we go. Hit inappropriate behavior on the set of Aziz Ansari's directorial debut being mortal. The Ghostbusters star was hit with sexual misconduct allegations during the filming, and as a result, the studio behind it, Search Like Pictures, pulled the plug with over 50% of the film already shot. And Ansari was allowed to shop the film and the footage to other buyers and other studios, but in the end, there seem to be no takers for what's likely seen as a tainted project. According to the playlist via Puck, as Ansari searched for another studio to take the movie over, the other actors involved, including Seth Rogen and Kiki Palmer, who's really hot right now, by the way, had to be released from their contracts as they had various other projects to shoot. As such, the film is now dead in the water and seems unlikely to ever get finished. So this created a series of falling dominoes, unfortunately. So... The, the thing happened with Bill Murray, which he has admitted to. He says, he though, that he was just joking, settled out, out of court, whatever. That's that's all done. But the project gets halted by the studio. And as they try to work this whole thing out, and then the studio says, we are no longer interested in having our name attached to this project. But you are allowed to shop it around to other places. We'll let Even though we hold the rights, we'll let you shop it around. And apparently every other studio said yeah we don't want to touch this project right now or anymore at this point with it still needing to be half done all this kind of stuff and then it got worse because as all this time dragged on kiki palmer and seth rogan are like hey yeah we have contracts being this movie but the contract set a certain window of time sure <laughs> we're out of that window now we've got other commitments that we've got to do so now and sorry had his movie delayed he can't find a buyer for it and now his stars, who were already in the first half of the movie, had to walk, which means even if another studio wanted to pick up the project, they got to start from scratch. And I can't help but feel, I, I, I just think it feels like Aziz is kind of in the same boat as Andy Muschietti, except the, the benefit that Andy Muschietti had with all the Ezra Miller nonsense is that they already finished shooting the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had to do some pickup shots and stuff like that, but the main regular production of the film was done. Whereas this guy only had a half finished project. So I, man, I got, I tell you what, and, and we're not here to talk about the Bill Murray side of that. We, we talked about the Bill Murray story ages ago when it happened. But again, I just feel really bad for his Jr. junior directorial debut, probably a dream of his. And you get actors like Kiki Palmer, who gets really hot because of Nope and a few other things. Seth Rogen, big star, all this kind of stuff. A, a dream is coming true. And then because of the actions of somebody else, your dream gets foobarred. I, I, and I would hate to bring this up, but I remember Aziz had a little controversy too before, didn't he? That got, uh, do you uh, think that had something to do? Yeah, but that all got, if, if, if I'm remembering the story right. And I, I don't want to bring this up as in, you know, I'm just not. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's a good thing to bring up. I, if I remember the story right, I think that whole thing just went away. I think okay, it, it, okay. I, I, I can't remember if he got vindicated in that. The, of course, the other NZ's controversy before that was he went to the, remember this, he went to the AMC Burbank 16 to go, I think, to see Star Trek in the IMAX screen at the AMC Burbank 16, went in and said, this isn't a real IMAX screen. And then he got into this big, huge social media blow up about, <laughs> oh man, that was weird. But I love this guy. And I hope he gets another shot to get, uh, yeah. probably not this movie, but maybe another movie. And by the way, Searchlight, um, who was, was the original studio behind this movie, they're still supporters of his. They they still want to work with him. They well, still have other projects they want to the do. That's the thing. If, if the execs are happy with the dailies they were getting back, 
and they were happy with the way he was running the ship, then he's proven himself behind the scenes. Yeah. And so, they know this wasn't his fault. Mm -hmm. They know. So apparently they are still very much in the Aziz and Sari business. Apparently he still wants to work with right. them too. And we'll see another project with I, him uh, soon enough. Th was this some, did we have a, it, okay. So I'm reading now it's a comedy drama yeah. based, based on the book being mortal medicine and what matters in the end by uh, some surgeon. Uh, so could have been interesting take yeah. on in that world. You rarely see comedy with surgery yeah i mean so it could have been an interesting take it could have been i i, I don't know much more about the project than that but again feel bad for the dude but hey he'll get another shot questions for you guys what do you think about this that bill murray seth rogan film is now officially dead and gone despite the fact that they shot half of it nobody else wanted to pick it up whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to this here shall we you know, one of the Robert Downey Jr. films outside of the MCU that I really enjoyed was his Sherlock Holmes movies. Now, now, granted, I didn't like the second Sherlock Holmes as much as the first, but I really do like those films, and I love the first ones, and I thought Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law as Holmes and Watson were a terrific on-screen pair. I, I really liked them a lot, and I liked the iteration a lot. Now, for years, there's been talk about a Sherlock Holmes 3 years they've been talking about it and of course they were directed by guy Ritchie, who recently did movies like the gentleman he did the aladdin movie he did uh snatch Lockstock. i love guy rich he's one of my favorite directors I, his his new movie the one with um um why am i freezing on uh the guy who plays shaw and hobbs and shaw mm, right yeah. jason Statham. Uh, yeah, yeah. Operation uh, fortune. i gotta look that up operation fortune yeah, operation fortune. Javi, Javi, whatever <laughs> yeah. the last few Jean words Valjean. Yeah, Jean Valjean. Again, <laughs> Canadian. I had to study French for eight years in school. You'd think I would know how to say it. Anyway, well, Guy Ritchie was recently asked about, hey, what is the status of a third Sherlock Holmes movie? And Guy Ritchie said, hey, man, don't look at me. <laughs> Basically, he said this. He said, Guy Ritchie, the director, said that. He said, well, honestly, I left this up to Robert Downey Jr. So Robert wanted to be in charge of this movie. The ball is in his court. So he's in charge of the script. He's in charge of the whole thing. I've moonwalked out until there's a time for me to get involved. So according to Guy Ritchie, I guess Robert Downey Jr., who's kind of been more and more at this point in his career, he's been putting on the old producer hat a little bit more and more over the last little few years. So apparently he's said, I want to shepherd a Sherlock Holmes three. I want to be, I want to have say over the script and I want it. So Guy Ritchie said, cool, peace out. You let me know when you need a director. And he has, he said, I like the way he said it. He goes, I moonwalked out. Yeah. So apparently, now it doesn't sound like there's any bad blood between them. It's not like Guy Ritchie said, I'm not going to do this movie. Guy Ritchie said, yeah, just when you need me, mm -hmm. let me know. And we'll get in there and I'll direct this movie and we'll make it happen. But it sounds like, I haven't been sure whether Robert Downey Jr. even wanted to do this movie. But it sounds like he is invested in it and wants to do it. It sounds like Guy Ritchie is keeping room on his dance card open for it. So the idea is he would be producing Sherlock Holmes 3. D Downey Jr. I, I, You know, and I wouldn't be surprised. Somebody would have to look this up. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was already kind of considered a producer on the first couple of movies as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of times these big stars will want to have a producer credit on that. That is a great pair. These two guys. 
together on screen were a great Holmes and Watson pair. I, I really, really like them. Actually, I like their dynamic even more than the movie itself. Then, of course, you had good Canadian girl Rachel McAdams in there as well, which is always good to have a little Canadian flavor in that as well. So look, I want a Sherlock Holmes 3. It sounds like Guy Ritchie wants it. It sounds like Robert Downey Jr. wants it, but I guess he's the holdup right now. They're just waiting for him to get something that he wants to do. And listen, like, let's be honest here, okay? And I say this as somebody who loves Robert Downey Jr., all right? I say this as somebody who is a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. This guy is an Academy Award-nominated actor. He's great. But he really could use a hit because since his days apparently came to a close in the MCU, which he'll be back. I don't mm -hmm. care what anybody says. He'll be back. But ever since his days closed out that, what has he done? He would what, what, do little? Is that yeah. gonna be his post-MCU? Uh, Let's not talk about that. Yeah, is that gonna be his post-MCU <laughs> legacy? Do little? And he also produced that one, what's that Netflix show uh, about the little kid with the horns? Oh, oh based on the comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't guys in the live chat. What was the name of that thing? I, I'm trying but to remember. He, he has no producer uh credit for the previous for either the previous year. well he will okay. on the third no but uh his wife susan was a producer on the second one there you go okay sweet tooth that was a thank you mm. to our viewer a uh, nubian wonder was the first person to put in the term sweet tooth yes I, I i know there's a night and day difference between the two but do you think there's uh anything from the enola holmes movies that have come out where because i actually without watching either one i actually assumed Oh, they broke off into her from these Sherlock. No, it's just separate. I just assume that just just being dumb. But being no, no, but. You, that's actually not a bad point. Now, like legally, no, there's nothing that interferes there. But I, that's actually a really good point. I wonder if the very existence of Enola Holmes kind of made them go, okay, Makes, maybe. Yeah. Like now they got to make sure whatever they do, it doesn't look too much like Enola Holmes. And I don't know, maybe Robert Downey Jr. is going. Shit, now they're going to compare my mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes to, to Henry Cavill? Brown? No, to Henry Cavill. Oh, Henry, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, who plays Sherlock in the movie, and, and to Millie. And I, I hear they're quite good, too, though, in all the Holmes movies. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan. I, now, to be honest, I didn't watch the second one. I watched the first one. I know a lot of people liked it. I didn't hate it, and I really like um, Millie Bobby Brown, and obviously I'm a huge Henry Cavill fan. I didn't really love the first Enola Holmes, but I haven't seen the second one. Maybe I have to check that out. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Apparently, Guy Ritchie, the director, is saying, hey, listen, this whole movie is on Robert Downey Jr. now. He wanted to be in charge of it. It's all up to him. When he's ready to go, we're ready to go, but it's all on him. Do you think this movie's ever going to happen? Do you even care about the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> movies anymore at this point? I want to see it. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down we're going to move on to our mint mobile hotline in just a second but before we do we're going to take a quick moment here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the john campia show our friends over at rocket money guys we want to thank a sponsor of this video rocket money the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions think about that if you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop 
stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. rocketmoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember guys, when you go and check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video, right at the top, you'll see link and promo codes for our sponsors of today's show. And thank you again to Rocket Money. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and would like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call the hotline number at 951-268-4259. And uh, maybe you'll hear your voice on our show. And we got a question right now about uh, the Marvel films and the next entry into the Billion Dollar Club. Check it out. Hey, John and crew, Carson here. I was just thinking that it's been a while since an MCU movie has hit a billion dollars at the box office. Sure, Spider-Man No Way Home did, but that was over a year ago. So what do you think will be the next big MCU movie to hit a billion dollars at the box office? Thanks, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling that in. You know, we were talking about this the other day, about the fact that when you look at Marvel, they achieved a level of success that has been absolutely fundamentally unprecedented in the world of film. They got to a point where obviously not every one of the Marvel films was a billion dollar film, but they did get to a point where once if you averaged out the number of films they had with the total box office, all the films together as made, they got to a point where an MCU movie were averaging over a billion dollars a film. Think about that. That is, that's insane. That when you added up all the money they made, divided by the number of films they had, Marvel films were averaging a billion dollars a film. I don't know that's ever going to happen again. I really, I really don't know that's ever going to happen again with, with any franchise that goes over two or three films. I just don't know that it can happen again. But that being said, it's now been a while. We've seen a decline. Now, obviously, we had the pandemic, which was a big, big impact on the MCU and all the movie industry. Obviously, that is the case. But we had Spider-Man No Way Home, which one of the, it's became one of the biggest movies of all time, $1.9 billion, one of the biggest films in cinematic history. But other than that one, it's it's been a beat mm -hmm. since we've had a billion-dollar film. I mean, Eternals certainly wasn't a billion-dollar film. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever was not a billion dollar film. Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, while it got close, it got north of 900 million, but it did not hit the billion dollar mark. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder fell well short of the billion dollar mark. And by the way, the billion dollar mark is not the line you got across right. to be considered successful. Yeah. Doctor Strange 2 made tons of money. Thor, Love and Thunder made tons of money. But, uh, and I'm going to go out, look, I know that this is going to be an unpopular opinion, all right? But I'm going to go way out on a limb here. Ant-Man 3 will not make a billion dollars. I'm out. 
<laughs> I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I know it's, uh, that's a wild, wild prediction, but I will go out on that limb and predict that Ant-Man will not make a billion dollars. So it's been a while. So the question becomes, well, what is the next one going to be? Okay. There's a few films here we should look at. Let's jump over to the Campy Classroom here for a moment here. All right. If we're looking at the Billion Dollar Club, these are the films that we have coming up prior to uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty. Because obviously, the Avengers movies, unless something really goes south with the MCU between now and when the Avengers movies comes out, the Avengers movies are going to make a billion dollars. So what about the ones that are coming out prior to those Avengers movies? All right. So we have Guardians 3, The Marvels, Captain America New World Order, Thunderbolts, Blade, Deadpool 3, and Fantastic Four. Am I missing any? If I'm missing any, keep an eye on the live chat. If I'm missing any guys in the live chat, go ahead and jump down the live chat and let me know. But I think these are the films they got scheduled to come out prior to the next Avengers movie. All right. I'm going to say Captain America New World Order will not make a billion dollars. Uh, so I'm going to take that one out. I love Anthony Mackie. I think that movie has the potential to be really great. But... This character was just had a TV show. Mm -hmm. And I, I still think there's going to be a lot of people who think Steve Rogers is Captain America. This is something different. So now we have, you don't have Steve Rogers in the movie. You don't have Chris Evans in the movie. I'm not saying that means the movie is going to flop. Not at all. I think it's going to be a successful film. And I think Anthony Mackie's going to kill it. But I think you can take it out of the running for a billion dollar film. By the way, I didn't think the first Jason Momoa Aquaman movie was going to make a billion dollars either. Most people didn't, and it did. So obviously the potential is still there, but for now I'm going to take that one off the list. All right, Thunderbolts, I'm also taking off the list. And I think that movie is going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be successful. But you're talking about a movie made up of The Leftovers. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Black Widow's secondary character and third-level character. You're talking about Captain America's secondary character. You're talking about Ant-Man 2's villain. You're talking about, I mean, so while I think this movie is going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be great, and I think it will succeed, I don't think it's really in the running to be a billion-dollar film. I, I will personally uh -oh. take that movie to a billion dollars if the century is in it. And oh, that's yeah. right, because there was that one, that rumor came out that the century might be in it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I, I'm not financed. That's not financial. <laughs> I, I just don't see how, I just don't see how you look at those characters and then put a century in there. But hey, listen, if it turns out, never know. All right, so that leaves us with a few others. All right, I'm going to take Blade out of the equation. It's a brand new franchise that's going to be in there. Again, with Mahershala Ali, two-time, 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 Academy Award-winning actor Mahershala Ali. I think it's got great potential to be successful. But again, first one, don't think it'll hit a billion. Second one, we'll talk about that later. All right, that leaves us with four. I'm going to take Fantastic Four out. The, listen, to the I get it. Hardcore movie fans have been waiting for a good iteration of Fantastic Four for a long time. I get it. But it is not the hardcore fans who make a billion dollar film. It is the average film goers that take a movie to a billion dollars. And average film goers for 20 years have seen a lot of crap of Fantastic Four. And let's not forget, nobody even read the Fantastic Four comic anymore. Like it got canceled. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So 
While I think this movie is going to be met with a lot of excitement from the hardcore fans, hopefully it's going to be completely awesome. We got Matt Shackman that's going to be directing it. That's terrific. You know, once we see John Krasinski officially announced as Reed Richards, which, I, by the way, I'm not breaking that news. I, I don't know if he is or not. We're just all guessing. I think it'd be great. But again, we're going to need a first movie to come out. And for that first movie to be incredibly awesome, then the second movie could be a billion-dollar film, but I don't think it's going to be that. All right, that brings us down to the last three. Guardians, The Marvels, Deadpool 3. Guardians is a billion-dollar franchise. The Marvels is a billion-dollar franchise. Deadpool 3 has never been a billion-dollar franchise. I can tell you right now, Deadpool 3 will absolutely mm -hmm, cross mm -hmm. the billion-dollar. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the sure shot. That, I mean, that's, I, that is 100%. 100 Actually, uh, Jonathan, can you put up a poll in the uh, live, or, or one of you guys put up a poll in the live chat? Will Deadpool three hit a billion? I, I'm I'm just curious to think to see if anybody out there does not think that Deadpool three is going to hit a billion dollars. Because to me, that is an absolute. Are you kidding me? First of all, the the franchise was already super successful with just Ryan Reynolds. Everybody has been waiting for Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman to do something together. You got Hugh Jackman who. I mean, listen, there are two guys. There's Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark, and there's Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. Right. That's that's it. Those are the two de facto guys that were born to play their roles. I would also throw in Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool in there as well. But you got him coming back for it, and now Deadpool is in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. That movie's going to be a billion dollars. But will it be the first billion-dollar film for Marvel since Spider-Man No Way Home? I'm going to say no. I think one of these two will also do it. And listen, I'm going to say something that might be considered a little bit out there. Do not sleep on the Marvels. Do not sleep on this movie. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you or guaranteeing you that the Marvels will hit a billion like Deadpool 3 will. I'm not saying that. But if you don't think that the Marvels has a chance to hit a billion dollars, you're a special kind of crazy. It's got, it's got a very legitimate chance. The first one made a billion dollars. I don't care what anybody says. Ms. Marvel is the second best thing that Disney Plus has had on their network, other than WandaVision. I am telling you, this one has a shot at a billion dollars. Yeah, Ray. I, I, I just want to throw in my two yeah, cents here. One. With that, the Marvels movie, I think it all depends on what the heck they're going to be fighting. The stakes of that movie, because as far as we know, Carol Danvers can take care of anything. So if the threat is real and it's it plays out like uh in a, in like a good movie, like a good well, I mean, movie. I mean that's but that's the de facto thing with all these movies, right? Like it depends on if it's good. Like if Deadpool three comes out, and the early word from all the audiences and all the critics are is that's a total bag of crap. Right. Then it may not hit a billion dollars. Obviously, all this is predicated on if the movie's really good. But how come I feel that way with the Marvels and like saying that, oh, what they're fighting will be huge when Deadpool 3, we don't even know what they're fighting. And I'm like, that's a billion. Because you're going like that, for them. Because like, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds and you got a more established yeah. character. Right, right, right. And, and, and people all are thinking stuff, yeah. this is the entrance of the X-Men into the Marvel Universe. It, it's got a lot of crossover, you know, power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff there. So I am not going to count it out, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the first movie that's going to hit a billion dollars is Guardians 3. Yeah. I think Guardians 3 will cross a billion. Now, again, this is all predicated on the movie being really yeah. good, but that trailer was fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
everybody is, I've already, you know how many conversations I've had with people already saying, if something happens to Rocket, I'm going to cry. Oh, I, Ray, yeah, I, was like, I was with Ray yesterday. He's like, me. I don't know, man. They they showed baby Rocket, and I don't know if I, I can handle it emotionally. I, I can't handle it. There's going to be a billion dollars from this movie and a billion tears, I think. And a billion tears. Because I, I, I think this might be, we're saying goodbye to a couple folks in this movie, and I hate no to doubt. say it. No doubt. I mean, we've already had James Gunn say this is going to be the last hurrah of this collection of Guardians. Right. So, and this is uh, James Gunn's last work with Marvel on it. So it won't be yep. he, he wouldn't take the helm on a fourth. Nope, mm. he, he's and, running DC now. Yeah, and we so, already know that uh, Drax is gone. Mm. I mean, that, we don't know what happens to his character, but we know the actor's gone. All right. By the way, let's go over and look at this poll. We asked, "Will Deadpool three hit a billion? And I'll tell you what: not as many people think. They, that it will as I thought they would. 78, 79% now. We got over 1,000 votes. 79% of people think it will, but a full 21% of people don't think it will. I mean, that's okay, still okay. gets you in the White House, though. <laughs> that's still, yes, it does. Uh, okay, I, I will say this. There's a lot of gruesomeness to Deadpool, right? If mm -hmm. they bring that there, there might not be for everybody. It's R rated. See, that could be a It's R rated. Yep. That could be a factor. Me, as much as I love both Deadpool movies, I never felt like I needed to go back and watch either one. Really? Strange, oh, right? I watched Strange. Both of them like a dozen and I times. love those movies. I just think it was like I took it all in the first time and that's all I needed. Right. You know, to see of it. I, I, uh, but no, th that's a good point. The R rated factor of Deadpool 3 will play a factor. I mean, yeah, I will. still think it gets to a billion. Like, I think it gets to a billion easy. As long as the movie doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. That movie gets a billion. Anyway, guys, question is for you. I'm calling it out. I think there are going to be three possibilities of upcoming Marvel movies that have the chance to get to a billion. That's Guardians 3, the Marvels, and obviously Deadpool 3. But I think the first one that's going to do it will be Guardians 3. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more hotline question here today, shall we? Because we got somebody calling in, talking about, sticking on the theme of the MCU and the Marvels about, was it a mistake to do multiverse? Check it out. John, this is Nick in Portland, and I got a question. Do you think that everybody is just getting tired of the concept of the multiverse? Do you think that was a, a bad decision for them to go so deep into this multiverse? After watching Ant-Man, it just, they went so head into it, it just, I liked it back before it was so just focused on nothing but the multiverse. And, you know, so I just wanted to know what you guys thought on that was, because I think maybe it was a mistake. What are your thoughts? Keep it filthy. All right. Thanks for calling <laughs> that in, man. Um, yeah. Was look. that my white twin? Is that your white twin? Was that my multiverse <laughs> version, the American version of me? <laughs> the, white, the, the Earth 818 version of Ray, who is white. I, uh, listen. To know everybody who watches the show knows this. I think that go back to, to last April at CinemaCon when Kevin Feige came out on stage in front of us and said, this new phase is, we had the, the Infinity Saga, this new phase is the Multiverse Saga. And I went again in my best Dave Chappelle, oh no. <laughs> I... I I remember thinking that this is a mistake. There was some gasp in that crowd. There was. You can hear uh, yep. some some people. Yeah. Really hate that idea. Like if in the the breath that they do. Oh. Yeah. Like um, re multiverse saga, huh? Now look, I've I've said this for a while. Now, 
a lot of people, hardcore fans, who are like into the comics and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff, really got excited about the multiverse idea. And I, and I get why, because multiverse, theoretically speaking, multiverse opens a lot of possibilities. There's a, there's a lot of things you can do with multiverse. And and I so I totally get it. <laughs> that one in particular. Yeah, he's coming. That is coming. I'm telling you. Bring me your script. I am the ultimate weapon. This this one's coming. A lot of things you can do in multiverse and do with multiverse. Just don't do that. Just don't do that. My god, please just don't do that. We'll keep that one in-house. <laughs> so, but so I so I get it. But one of the things, and I remember I went back and I watched an old AMC video uh, that I did years ago when a question came in about, you know, multiverse and whatever. And, and this is what I said at the time, and I still feel this way. I said, the problem with multiverse is, I said, the key to the success of Marvel has been that instead of just pandering to the hardcore comic book fans, they have made the world of Marvel with their movies accessible to the average everyday viewing audience. My mom loves the MCU movies because those movies were done, particularly in the first three phases, they were all done in such a way that you never had to read a comic book. You don't have to think about Earth 717B with the multiple dimensions of this and blah. No, they, they found a way to take the stories and characters of Marvel and bring them in a manner that was accessible to everybody. And everybody loved it and enjoyed it. And they ex enjoyed ridiculous success as they put out excellent movie after excellent movie, averaging over a billion dollars a film and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said back then, way back then, going back a decade now almost, I said, not quite a decade, but I said, the moment you start getting a little bit too inside baseball with the comic book isms of these stories and you start getting into the, the multiple dimensions and you start doing all, all this stuff that's a little bit more high concept for comic book fans. I said, I believe you're going to lose some of that accessibility. And I remember when the Loki series came out and I love the Loki character, love the Loki character. And I didn't mind the show. I, I didn't love the show, but I didn't mind it. But when the Loki series came out, that was the first time I started getting messages from a lot of film fans saying, eh, I'm checking out of this. Mm -hmm. Like, because you started getting into these, these wild things that a lot of comic book fans enjoyed, but a lot of the average fan, fan base was just going, ah, this is pushing a bit. Then we get into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Everybody loves seeing Professor X in there and John Krasinski as, as Mr. Fantastic. Sure. But again, there was a bunch of average film fans who were like, uh, hmm. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp, as you, now it's not multidimensional, although it kind of is with Kang a bit. But it, you get into, again, the more super fantastical into the quantum realm with these weird creatures and shooting the entire movie on the volume that, you know, everything kind of stuff. And what happened? The single biggest second weekend drop in the history of Marvel films. I think we are seeing a number of average film fans starting to go, I still love Marvel, these Marvel movies, but I they're checking out. They're checking out. And I'll tell you what else it's done. Even if you are a hardcore fan, it has taken away the stakes. 
because listen, put up the spoiler alert, put up the spoiler warning. I'm going to give, I'm going to say something here that is a spoiler for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Okay. So just, just, you know, be ready. Just come on back once the spoiler alert goes down, but I'm going to talk about a spoiler here. All right. You ready? You've been prepared. You got your computer muted. Here we go. For example, you know, Kang is set up as this big, threatening, universal threat bad guy in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh, no, it's Kang. Everybody hide your kids. Here comes Kang, the baddest of the bad, the meanest of the mean, the worst of the worst. It's going to make you forget all about that Thanos dude, that grimace chin son of a bitch. <laughs> You're going to forget all about him. But they kill him. But it didn't matter because as soon as they killed him, we found out, don't worry, there's a thousand more. They killed Kang off. That Kang's gone. And yes, everybody, he is dead. The other Kangs confirm that he is dead. But it doesn't matter. They got a thousand more. Didn't matter that they killed him off. There's no stakes. I was talking to a buttermine on the phone today. And he said, you know, even if they killed off Scott, even if they killed off Ant-Man, it wouldn't matter because we all know that uh, Dr. Mephisto can come in and just press the magic on the dilation quantum intensifier button and open a portal to Earth 174 and that Scott can just come in and be Scott. The stakes are gone. Nothing matters. No characters die. There's no threat. I mean, it's always been the MC fake death universe. We get that. But this just takes that to another level. It doesn't matter. There's no stakes. And that's been the other thing about it, too. So, listen, do I think going in the direction of multiverse was a mistake? Yes. Yes, it was a mistake. They shouldn't have done this. Now, is this a mistake that's going to sink the MCU? Absolutely not. They've got way too much success in their pockets already. This will not ruin the MCU <coughs> at all. And by the way, there might be big payoff for all this multiverse stuff by the time we do get to Kang Dynasty and to Secret Wars. Could be big, big payoff when we get there. So I don't think this is going to ruin anything, but do I think they should have gone in another direction? Yeah, I do. I, I have a feeling that without the introduction of Disney+, Plus, this tool that I think he referred to it as we've been holding on this tool in our back pocket. What yeah, that's exactly tool, what he right? said. He said, we've been holding on to this tool. I think Kevin Feige's uh, vision was was a solid one of this multiverse because of Disney Plus. Disney Plus would have been able to connect the tissues to these movies like they would have used it as in because the multiverse is kind of complex, especially with all the characters they want to introduce. Oh, yeah. It could get very, very complex. I think Disney Plus was like one of those things where he's like, we could use that to actually explain things that we don't have enough time in the movie to, you know, but, and I think he had hand in hand a he, vision of it working out, but it's just not coming out that way. And I think it mainly because a lot of these things look like it was rushed just to put content oh, yeah, onto absolutely. Disney Plus. And when you rush anything, it just sucks. But that leads to the other problem, right? That, that I think Kevin Feige, the great Kevin Feige, one of the greatest producers of all time, I think when looking at saying we can use the TV shows to connective tissue and all that kind of stuff, right? That leads to the other problem. Because one of the other big reasons the Marvel was successful for so long is because every single individual movie was a valid entry point into the MCU. A new fan could come along and say, 
hey, can I watch this Guardians of the Galaxy movie if I haven't seen any of the other Marvel movies? The answer was yes. Even if you had seen nothing else, this new Marvel movie can be your first introduction. Hey, can I watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier if I haven't seen anything else? The answer was yes. Every single movie was a legitimate entry point for a new fan, and thus their fandom grew exponentially. Now, in the MCU, what started happening with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and now with Loki and things like that, and, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, now the MCU is something that it never was before. There are now prerequisites you have to watch in order to watch some new stuff. I feel horrible for anybody who wandered into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness who had never seen WandaVision. Hmm. I mean, and if you did not, I mean, I, a lot of people who did watch the Loki series still found it a little challenging to follow the dots of what's going on in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. If you walked in there without watching that, without Loki, it's going to be even more challenging. And that's what's happening to the MCU as well. It's becoming where now not every new thing is, is a valid entry point. Now, if you're a new fan and you haven't watched this yet, you got homework to do first. Yep. And that's not good. Well, see, the thing is, is that the Disney Plus shows should have been, they should have worked as little tangents of, you're going to be able to delve deeper into these characters yeah. and, and understand yes. them more. But it should have never then been the link to to further the next movie that comes out, right? They should just be tangents. If you want this extra content about these characters and some character development, great. But you shouldn't have to watch this to understand how the next movie ties in. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. I have to ask you one more thing, John. Yeah. What is it going to take? What is your final straw uh -oh. where you give up on this multiverse? What is it going to have to... Do you see yourself... I don't see myself ever giving up on anything Marvel just because I, I'm like the... If this doesn't interest me, I can skip it. I skipped so many of the Disney Plus shows and I'm still okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, But I, I, I could see with certain other people, they, they, they love Marvel so much they, they, or whatever. They, they, they want to watch everything. They want to take in everything. And sometimes, like the bad stuff, I don't know. I, I, what's look? What's your there take is on a that? breaking point for every fan, right? For every fan, there is a breaking point. Unless you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, because then you just <laughs> put up with that shit for life. But there is a breaking point for every fan and in every fandom. But here's the reality: the reason I say like this multiverse thing will not ruin the MCU is because, look, the reality is out of 31 movies, I, 31, 32, whatever, however the number of movies have been. The reality is I've straight up loved probably 20 plus of them and really liked at least 25, 26 of them. Yeah. You know, so even if they hit, they have built up such a thing of success and excellence that even if I had three Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanias in a row, I'm still in there for, but here's where it could get in trouble. Let's say, and look, this I'm totally speaking on this, it's totally mm -hmm. theoretical. Mm, do it. Let's say everything between now, Guardians 3, The Marvels, uh, Thunderbolts, Fantastic Four, uh, whatever some of those other, let's say every movie between now and Avengers all suck. Right. Not and just they're okay or they're good, but no, they they're suck. bad. They're, they're bad. straight up bad. And then we get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, and those are bad. Okay. At that point, I might be reconsidering my card-carrying Marvel mm -hmm. fan card and turning it in. Maybe at that point. But that's a lot of things in a row because they've had so many things in a row that were great, right? That's the magic they've had for so long. And the magic is slipping. Let's see if they can get it back. Don't anyway, guys. Don't fail on Blade, buddy. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Blade. about Blade. Mahershala Ali is going to save world. the whole damn thing. <laughs> All right, guys. Anyway, the question is for you. 
What do you think about this? Uh, do you think maybe the multiverse itself was just a fundamental mistake? That doesn't mean they can't put out some good stuff within the multiverse, but do you think maybe they should have gone in another direction? Or maybe you're one of the fans that thinks, you know what? I think everything they've been doing in this phase has been fantastic. Awesome. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Last night... We got to go see an IMAX premiere of the brand new Creed film, Creed 3. Now, I've, I've had some mixed feelings going into Creed 3. One, because on one hand, I've really liked the Creed films. Number one more than number two, but I've liked them both very, very much, especially the first one's fantastic. But on the other hand, you know, this is Sly's franchise, and Sylvester Stallone has been very, very, and his brother have been very public about their disdain for the fact that there's a third Creed movie and all this kind of stuff. So I felt a little torn, right? So last night, me, Ann, and Ray, we go to the IMAX premiere. We bought tickets. I, I don't go to the press stuff anymore, but we bought tickets. We went to the IMAX premiere last night and watched Creed 3. Beautiful screen. Oh, uh, gorgeous screen. It was a wonderful theater. Yeah. I loved this movie. Hmm. I loved it so much that in my out-of-theater reaction, one of the first things I said about it was, I think it's comparable to the first one. It's it's a little bit of a different movie than the first it's one, for sure. It's a different movie. Yeah. But here's the thing. I mentioned that Creed 2, which I like. I like Creed 2, but Creed 2 lacked a little bit of the heart and personality that the first Creed had. Creed 3, I feel like they understood that, and they're like, Let's really put a lot of heart into this. Let's put a lot of character into this. And this, this movie is all character driven. It like, is. <laughs> and that is similar to the first Creed movie. It's very, very, very character driven. And you just, the movie just starts with like a bit of a flashback that it instantly draws you in. Then you see where Adonis is in his life now. They introduce you to his now, his like 10 year old or 11 year old daughter and the family dynamic. And you just, you're, you're falling in love with it. You feel emotionally connected. You understand you're resonating with the character. And then, you know, all these boxing movies have this challenge of all of a sudden now there's a bigger challenger to the champion. And the next one, now there's a bigger challenger. With the Jonathan Majors character, Damien. It's different. They made it very personal, very different. It was a very unique twist on, on things. And you felt that it reminded me a little bit of Clubber Lang where, and, and, and Drago, where it's like you felt the threat to the character, but again, there was more of a personal. The second one, Adonis had no connection to Drago's son, right? There, there was nothing there. There was nothing personal about it. There was for Rocky, sure. But this one, it was all personal. And I, I don't often say this about a Rocky movie, but if you take the boxing out of Creed Three you are still left with a very, very good movie. Mm -hmm. And well, what's I'll, crazy is at the end when he finds out there's an, there's a council of Damien. I mean, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Oh my God. I got, oh my God, I got a crew. thousand of them. I got to yeah. Don't spoil, put up the spoiler. <laughs> Sorry. Warning. Not everyone saw it. We're spoiler pig when you need him. We're spoiler. That's right. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you what, it has been a while. You know, I, I, on our out of the theater reaction, one of our viewers commented and I didn't realize this, but they commented, man, it's been a while since we've seen John really love a movie that he just came out of. And I realized, you know, they're right. It, it's been a little bit since I've come out of a movie because I, 
I didn't love, I didn't even really like Cocaine Bear all that much. I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't hate Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Didn't hate it, but I, I didn't like it. Uh, it's It's been a bit and it felt so good. I got to tell you, man, it felt so good to come out of a movie theater with a big smile on my face, having had a great time at the movies. And there's going to be another Creed. I was watching one of the interviews with uh, Michael B. Jordan on the red carpet and he was saying they're they're building up. There's going to be more Creed. Oh. There's going to be more Creed. And I'll tell you what, sign me up. I love, anyway, Rob, Ray, you were... <laughs> I, you were the most excited person I knew about for this movie. You finally had a chance to sit down and watch it. What do you think about it? I, I, I love this movie, but for things that I never expected from a Rocky and Creed movie, I, I, I tell you, like, I didn't think every character that I was introduced to, to in this movie, I would care about. Like, everybody who got screen time on this movie, from from the mom, whatever, they I cared about all of their stories. It was great. Yeah. I, um. Felicia Rashad was great again as as Apollo's mom or as uh, Adonis's mom. Uh, the things I felt like at the end before the the last fight, there's always the last fight, right? I had as much hype inside me than I was when John Wick finally caught up to the guy who killed the dog. <laughs> like that build up, there's a different sort of build up in this that was more personal. Yeah, you kind of saw both sides of everyone's story, like uh, like and but Jonathan Majors. Ooh, he, when he wants you to hate him, you're gonna hate him. But you know what? I'll say this. I'm gonna. I, 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 this may be a hot take. Maybe not shared by everybody. Jonathan Majors is better in this movie than he is in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Oh, oh, one hundred. He is better. Damien is a better character than K. Yep. Yep. I, I, I there's there there's a a, a a flow of all the Rocky and Creed movies that it usually like goes by. This one was different. And in a lot of ways for me, as in like the things I was looking forward to weren't there, but they were replaced with better things. Yeah. Now, look, the movie's not perfect, by the way. There, no. There is definitely some pretty melodramatic moments in mm -hmm. the movie, no doubt. And there are a few concepts in the film Ooh, that, was that, tough. that they ask you as the audience to just suspend your disbelief about this. That, a little that bit. One's like, tough. There's a few things. There's definitely those in there. But again, at the end of the day. Uh, this is a great movie, a big win for the Creed franchise, and uh, all due respect to Sly Stallone because I love Sly, love Tulsa King, but but this was a great movie. Maybe not quite as good as the first one, but I definitely better than the second. It, it separated itself from the Rocky name with this movie. It absolutely did. It, it, yes. it has its own identity now, yeah. which is which is what I kind of wanted. Like I don't want to always attach a Rocky who, let's say, in film or life would probably pass away. You can't hold on to that forever. Because I think it's true to say that Creed 1 and Creed 2 are still Rocky movies. Yeah. Creed 3 is a Creed movie. Mm -hmm. And and I think they've made that transition now. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you been looking forward to Creed 3? Maybe you were at one of those IMAX screenings last night and had a chance to see it. What, whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move into our final topic here today, shall we? And that one is this. You know, with all the you know concern there has been about the MCU and, and Phase Four, you know, a lot of people weren't aren't haven't been thrilled with Phase Four. I certainly think Phase Four has been the weakest of the four phases, but there's a pretty high bar because the first three phases are pretty freaking awesome. But I've always contended, even though that may be true, 
there has been some diamonds in phase four, whether you're talking about stuff like WandaVision or Ms. Marvel. But for me, the shining diamond of phase four has been <laughs> Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was that, that I can't remember the last time I walked out of a movie where I was like shaking. I was so excited. Greg Alba and I were talking about the story because like Greg Alba was sitting like three seats down from me at the at the uh, premiere of Shang-Chi. And when the movie was over, I literally, he told this story at our uh, live event that we did in Burbank the other night. I literally walked down the aisle when the credits rolled, grabbed Greg by the shoulders. And I'm like, was that not effing awesome? And he like, tased I, you. What's that? And he tased and then he you. he pulled out a taser and tased <laughs> me. I, I tell you what, I love this movie. And does that, and it's not even because it stars a good Canadian kid in Simu Liu. It's just, I thought the movie's fantastic. Wen Wu, I think, is the best villain they've had in a while in the MCU. I absolutely adored and loved, 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 loved this movie. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now, one of the things, though, has been, where is Shang-Chi, right? Where has he been? Like, this movie came out beloved by critics, huge audience scores. People loved it. Uh... Daniel, who directed it, he's now going to be going over and directing Kang Dynasty. So where does that leave Shang-Chi? Well, according to Simu Liu, Simu Liu is now saying, we're going to see Shang-Chi again, but you're probably going to see him a lot sooner than you think, is what he said. Now, let me see if I can pull up the actual quote that he said here. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah, this is what he said. When he was asked about when are we going to see, Simu Liu said this. Who knows? Fans might see something a lot sooner than you think. We'll see. That came from, from Shang-Chi. Because it has been very noticeable by his absence in all the announcements of the upcoming MCU movies and of that, there's been no mention. Where's, where's Shang-Chi 2? Right? It wasn't a huge blockbuster. Right? It made money, but it was not a huge blockbuster. Still much closer to the pandemic era and all that kind of stuff. But the critics loved it. The fans loved it. The ratings are through the roof. It's fabulous. Well, now I say we're going to see him sooner than possible. Okay, so this raises the question then. Let's go back over to the uh, to the classroom here. We're looking at these this list again. These are the upcoming movies coming before, again, Kang Dynasty and uh, Secret Wars. If we can take him at face value here, and he's saying that Shang-Chi is going to return sooner than you think, that to me is suggesting, or at least implying that we're going to see Simu Liu pop up in one of these upcoming movies. So which one is the most likely one? All right, let me do the same thing that we did before. We'll do a little bit of process of elimination here. I'm going to start with Deadpool 3. I think Deadpool 3 is the least likely one <laughs> that Shang-Chi pops up in. Mm -hmm. there's, there's absolutely no reason, purpose, rhyme, or reason for Shang-Chi to pop up in, and that's I'm going to take that out. I'm also going to take out Nexus Fantastic Four. Again, they've got... First of all, four characters in the Fantastic Four, plus if they're bringing in Doctor Doom, plus whatever else they're going to be trying to do, they've just got a lot to accomplish there, and I just don't see any reason, either in the comics or in the movies, why a Shang-Chi would be there, taking him out of that. Also, next up, taking out Blade. It just makes no sense for Shang-Chi to pop up in a Blade movie. Blade's already got a lot they got to do. they got to build his own stuff, plus we're probably going to see Jon Snow in Blade, the Black Knight. It's probably going to be in there a bit, too. All right. Next up that I'm going to take out, Captain oh, America, what? the New World Order. 
I just don't see any reason. I think it's going to be more grounded. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see. Remember, we're talking about a Captain America that does not have superpowers. It doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. I, and there's just no connection between. Oh, but we're talking about, hey, you're on the team, kid. Nothing like that. There is no team. This is, there's no team. We got to build one for Avengers. But we're, he's not going to be the leader of the one. Avengers. Right, Sam right. Wilson ain't going to be the leader of the Avengers. And like, listen, if there was going to be a team in there, they were going to mm. see Sebastian Stan. And like Anthony Mackie's already kind of hinted and implied that Sebastian Stan's not going to be in this movie. They've already established who he's connected to relationship wise with the post credit scene in Shang-Chi yes. where they had the hologram this. So we know he has connections. Yes. They're talking about his technology and all of that. So like, I, I just don't see any, the, the, I, I don't think Sam's even ever met Shang-Chi. So, gotta meet sometime, baby. Yeah, it ain't gonna be here. It ain't gonna be here. All right, that leaves three options. I'm going to take Guardians of the Galaxy 3 out next. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 still has some potential impossibilities. There could be a galactic element to the Ten Rings. As again, kind of maybe hinted at in that scene that we just, that uh, Taylor just had the picture up for, right? That there might be a little bit of a galactic element to that. So, I don't think him popping up in Guardians 3 is the most unbelievable thing. I, I would, I'm not saying he's going to be in Guardians 3. Let's just be clear. I don't think he will. But unlike, say, Blade or Fantastic Four, which I think is completely unthinkable that he'd be in there, mm -hmm. I don't think it's unthinkable that he could be in Guardians 3. I just don't think it's likely. Well, we didn't see any circle shapes in the Guardians trailer. Yeah, we're so. in the circles. You need yeah. circles. Hey, John. Captain America's shield is a circle. Oh, oh why, did I overlook that? It's a circle. Time. Anything with a circle I, is connected to him. I will say how funny it is how what he's been saying like now compared to maybe a few months ago because when he was asked about uh, Chung-Chi 2 a few months ago, he was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I don't even, you know. But now, I, I from what he says here, it's got to be one of these things. Okay, right? when you got Marvel's gun to your head, you're like, I don't, even, I don't know what they're, I know, I, I don't know, know what they're talking about. All right, so that leaves us with two options here. All right, leaves us with two options, and I think the second most likely option is actually Thunderbolts. And the only reason, the only reason I say it's the second most likely, is because that is already such a ragtag, weird collection of characters again i see no connection between them whatsoever but because it's already such a weird ragtag eclectic collection of these oddity characters that maybe shang chi could pop up there again i don't think it's the most likely though i think the most likely is the marbles mm -hmm. um i i just think you know again that is the one character out of all these lists that actually has met shang chi Again, with the post credit scene, they've met there. We do believe with Ms. Marvel, like I believe, and I think a lot of Marvel fans believe, there's a connection between Ms. Marvel's bangle mm -hmm. and the Ten Rings. We actually saw the emblem of the Ten Rings in Ms. Marvel. Yep. So a lot of people believe there's a connection there. So I think the most likely out of all those films that Shang-Chi could pop up in next is the Marvels. Now, I will say this, there is one other option that we have not talked about. If we go back to the classroom, that is this. The, the actual thing, option we even consider is this. Shang-Chi 2. Listen, oh. I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think that the, the upcoming 
list of all the Marvel films we have is a complete list. Nobody's told me that. This is me as a fan speculating. But I don't necessarily think the list we have between now and when Secret Wars comes out is actually a complete list. Mm. So while I am not saying there's going to be a Shang-Chi 2, I think that is one of the possibilities that maybe we need to consider. But even if we're considering Shang-Chi 2, I still think the Marvels is the most likely. I don't know, Jonathan, what do you think the chances are if you had to set an over-under? What, what percentage of a chance do you think there is that Shang-Chi actually pops up in the Marvels? Uh, did you give me a number? It's over. <laughs> I know. I said, what percent? What what number yeah, would you set? Over, over seventy. Really? I've so you feel pretty time. confident he will? I've said for a long time. I think you're at least going to have him in a post credit scene in the Marvels. At, at the least, I I think so. Ray, would, what about you? I would go seventy percent on the three that were together: Thunderbolts, Marvels, and the Captain America. I'm still thinking he's Captain America, but I will be one hundred percent. Wong will appear in all those movies that we just listed. Well, every single one of them. Hey, listen, Kevin Feige said himself, it's, Kevin Feige was actually the one who coined the frames. It's the Wong cinematic universe now, mm. right? So I wouldn't doubt that we're going to see Wong pop up in a couple more of these things too. So I know, guys, question is for you. What do you think out of all those movies that we listed is the film that no guarantees that he will show up, but you think would be the most likely one that he would show up? I think a lot of us here feel that it's, the Marvels is the most likely one. Maybe you think it's another one of the other ones. Maybe you think it's something else entirely. Or maybe you don't think we're going to see Shang-Chi again until sometime after Secret Wars and we do get around to getting a Shang-Chi too. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that all down, we are now going to move over and start taking questions, thoughts, comments, and observations from our beloved channel members. Once again, if you were one of our channel members, thank you for being a channel member. And if you go into the community tab on the YouTube channel, you'll see a post there just for you guys to throw in your thoughts, theories, questions, and opinions. And we'll address those once we come back from thanking another sponsor of today's episode of The John Campia Show, Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia we're back and thanks for the <laughs> countdown thank, thank you again to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys we've got a few minutes left here so let's go over and start taking those questions and comments from our channel members jonathan what do we got 
We got Darren Smarzlock here. Hey, John and crew, do you think there was any chance of seeing Kihu Kwan reprise his role as short round for a cameo in the upcoming Indiana Jones uh, in the Dial of Destiny? It seems with all this popularity right now, it would be great to see him and his fate addressed and a quick scene perhaps that the university could easily be inserted. I know he would have, it would be seen as fan service, but for one, uh, I for one would not mind at all. Keep up the great work. Stay sweaty. Nope. Nope. You, you don't, if you're a real filmmaker and a real storyteller, you don't go, hey, that guy's popular right now. Let's just, for no purpose whatsoever, just slide him into the movie. I think that's what lesser filmmakers would do. I don't think it's something this director will do, and I don't think it's something they should do. Now, listen, if I had found out that they had always planned on Kihu Kwan, you know, the grown-up short round being in this movie, I would be very, very excited. But pulling like an amateur move, like, oh, this person's really hot right now. Just make something up for some reason for them to be in the movie. I think that's how you end up with bad movies. Right. So I, now, I don't we, think they do. If we didn't know, like they had already planned this and they just haven't revealed it. Oh, yeah. Like then, said, if it was always part of the plans yeah. and they were always doing this and I, I would be very excited. But the idea of, wait, this guy's popular now. Yeah. <laughs> Create something that has no purpose to our movie whatsoever just to put him in. I mean, Spielberg has been hovering around all of his awards. Yeah. But I mean, I also <laughs> think that's just because he loves him and supports him. Yes, absolutely. All right. What's next? All right. Ryan Trabuco. So very excited for Super Mario Brothers opening a couple days early. I believe it opens a week early in Mexico, March 30th. And a group of us are planning uh, a trip to Tijuana to see it early. Mm. I'll tell you what. I now not too terribly far. I would travel to see this movie early. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, when I say travel, I mean, I would go to San Diego. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying I would drive to Arizona to go right. see this, but I would travel. I would go. I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm getting pretty excited about this movie. My, my theory, maybe just for American audiences on the two days, that it's, it's around spring break and they maybe want to maximize opening weekend. Yeah, but could that's, be. That, there's, there's, or again, that makes sense. Or again, it's just like two days isn't really anything. So, hey, this will just get our movie in the headlines sure. for everybody. I mean, because it, it worked with us. I mean, who knows? All right. What's next? All right. We've got Dominic Suma who says, do you think Mandalorian will get the Netflix treatment and be canceled after season four despite its popularity? Or because it's kind of a flagship Disney Plus show, it will get more time despite it probably not being a huge source of positive subscriber gain anymore. Well, here's the thing. The Netflix treatment is getting canceled after one, two, or three seasons, not after four. I mean, listen, a, a four-season run is a is a reasonable run. Mm -hmm. I mean, Succession, which is arguably one of the most successful, especially awards-wise, one of the most successful shows we've had in years on TV, they've just announced it's getting canceled after the four seasons. This new season that's about to start is the last one. That's not the Netflix treatment. That's the HBO treatment saying where the showrunner said, we we have told our story. Right. Our story is now done. They said, okay, yeah. then we cancel it. Right. So we'll see what they do. Listen, The Mandalorian, I don't think was ever meant to be a show that probably goes five or six seasons. Not that it can't. I don't think it was ever meant to be. So they might want to then jump off and go into other directions and other stories to tell. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, what's next? All right, what have we got? Matt G. Hey, John and company. Uh, what do you think the future holds for Tatiana Maslany? I thought mm. she, uh, the She-Hulk show was just okay, but she was great in it. Do you think She-Hulk's mixed reaction will impact Tatiana's future roles? No, because nobody... Listen, I didn't like She-Hulk, all right? I, I didn't think it was just okay. I thought it wasn't good. It was a comedy that wasn't funny. 
But myself and even a lot of people who were like me and didn't like the show, I mean, you got to acknowledge she was really good in the role. Yeah, I, I want to see any, more of her. Any problem with that show had nothing to do with Tatiana Maslany. She's an award-winning actress. She will be fine. It, it, like, look, I know as fans, we more than anybody are really prone to what's the last thing that happened, right? Somebody, I don't know, like, it's like if you want to make an NBA comparison, some dude hits seven three-pointers in a row, and then he misses one, and everybody goes, well, they should never let him throw a three-pointer again. <laughs> that That's what we movie fans are. And listen, we're all guilty. of. We've all been like that, but that is what movie fans are like. That is what we are like. Like, one thing happens... All of a sudden, they're the greatest thing in the world, even though they did 18 terrible things before that, or they just did something bad. It's like, never let that person act in a thing again. Yeah. But honestly, I, I don't know anybody, even She-Hulk's biggest detractors. I haven't heard a lot of people criticize Tatiana Maslany's performance, and I think she'll be fine. Yeah, it wasn't the acting. It was no, the writing. It had nothing to do with the acting. It was mostly the writing. All right, what's next? All right, Sam Fisher writes, Deadline reported on Sunday that Stephen Fry will host a British reboot reboot of Jeopardy. Oh, wow. Uh, I think this is perfect for him, especially if you've seen QI, which was a comedian celebrity uh, panel quiz show he hosted for 13 years from 03 to 16, uh, where he answers where, uh, where the answers were quite interesting, hence QI. I have never heard of that show. I haven't either. I mean, I know he's, yeah. But I'll tell you what, even having never seen that show, the idea of Stephen Fry hosting a version of Jeopardy yeah. sounds like a match made in heaven. Uh, he's a scholarly comic. Yeah. And, so. he, and he's very quick-witted, too. Mm -hmm. He'll, he will be a very, very different type of host than the late, great Canadian kid uh, Alex Trebek was. Sure. But he will make it his own. I think this sounds like a great match. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right. What's next? All right. We got, oh, uh, Kevla Button. Hoping to go to Star Wars Celebration in London. Saturday is sold out. Which day should I go? Friday or Sunday? Uh, Defo more definitely uh, more in, into panels and announcements as opposed to meet and greets, shopping, etc. Thanks and may the force be with you. There's a very I'm glad you asked him. There's a very definitive answer. When you're looking at going to Star Wars Celebration and you're looking at which day to go to, if you really look into it and you actually break down historically what's happened, the absolute best day to go is none of fucking of them. I knew it was wow. Because Disney is a fucking uh. clown show when it comes to running their live events. <laughs> so the answer is All none. Three. But oh. if it were something like Comic-Con, Saturday Jesus, would obviously be the peak. Friday would be next. But if you're going for the shopping and the deals, Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to Comic-Con, shopping and deals, Sunday. Yeah. That's when all the, the exhibitors are looking to unload the rest of their merchandise that they brought. You can get good deals then. But the thing about Comic-Con is even now post-pandemic, post <laughs> it's always so packed. Yeah. It's always so, so again, packed. Today, right, John? <laughs> you had your poop for breakfast again? <laughs> Jesus, It's just man. An athletic greens, man. Uh, you had me on that string, too. I was like... Oh, oh I knew. I knew where this is going. I was like, and to break down the formula for <laughs> the answer is no days. Oh, no days is the answer to go to any fucking Disney live event because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. But London's right. great. London is a wonderful city, though. I'm sure London is yeah. a fabulous city. Uh, All right. What's so next? Edward writes, fun fact, if Creed 3 opens at number one, it'll be the first time an actor has starred in back-to-back -back number one live-action films at the box office since Jessica Chastain a decade ago for Zero Dark Thirty and Mama. Jonathan Majors. Oh, Jonathan. I'm thinking, what What Michael B. Jordan? Right. Jonathan You're right. Majors. Jonathan Majors. I, I hadn't, that is a very interesting, I don't know if that's true, though, but if it is true... That is a very interesting statistic. Especially that I went to Jessica Chastain. 
not like an action yeah not know. like it but for some reason i've got it in my head that we've talked once before about somebody who literally had back-to-back -back movies again i'm not totally sure that that's that fact is true i don't know that that's a fact but if it is if it is that's very interesting and i do expect that listen with the the rate that ant-man and the wasp quantumania is dropping in the box office i can't see i don't think ant-man and the wasp quantumania makes 20 million next weekend mm. and so the question becomes can creed 3 make 20 million and I hope it can. Yeah. I, I, I I hope the word of mouth gets out there about it. It's not about beating Quantumania. It's just about, right. I, this is such a good movie. It really does deserve the success. So yeah, I, I think it will be number one at the box office. But now we need weekend. to see Jonathan Majors and Pedro Pascal in something together. Oh, oh or yeah. <laughs> or I'll say it all falls apart. Then they just rule everything. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what's next? Okay, Jin the Jedi rides. So let me get this straight. From Love... From Loveness himself, he wrote Quantumania without knowing he'd also be writing Kang Dynasty, so there wasn't an overarching story pan, uh, planned. Marvel may be winging it more than we realize. Well, no, 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 no. Like, like, look, the story of the MCU is not written by the individual screenwriters. The story, the overarching story of the MCU is planned by Kevin Feige. It's, and so then the individual films are given to the writers to flesh out the individual films, but Kevin Feige will let them know, hey, listen, Ryan Coogler's talked about this with his Black Panther films. Kevin Feige basically comes in to his filmmakers and says, okay, look, with your movie, whatever movie it is within the MCU, you cannot do this, 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 or this, because I got things planned that that would contradict. This, this, and this must happen at some point, and by the end of the film, the character has to be in at least a position where this, 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 and this can happen. Now, with those 12 bullet points, go ahead and make your movie. You write your movie, direct your movie, make it whatever you want it to be, but just make sure that these 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 bullet points get hit at some point because that is leading to something we're doing later. All right. So, yeah, Jeff Loveness is not writing the overall story of the MCU. That's Kevin Feige directing that and deciding where that goes. It, he just then puts the power into the individual filmmaker's hands about the film itself they're working on. But yeah, that so this is this is exactly how they did in Phase One. It's exactly how they did in Phase Two. It's exactly how they did in Phase Three. So there's nothing to worry there about that. Minus now, Feige is back with more control. It's out of the hands of bankers. Yes, because I, let's not forget, that's an important thing that yeah. people need to remember, that, that Kevin Feige for the last number of years has had a lot less power yeah. running the MCU under Bob Chapek than he did under Bob Iger. And now that Bob Iger is back, he has re-put the power back into the hands of the creatives. Yeah. That's why I don't put so much blame on the multiversal saga, whatever. I do think there's the Chapek effect to, to, to these issues. How much Somewhat. of which, we'll Somewhat. never know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what's next? Okay, uh, I was looking at the wrong screen. Uh, we on Steven? All right, so, oh, Stefan. Uh, after the disastrous Pinocchio uh, remake, I'm happy that Peter Pan and Wendy looks as good as it does. Considering who's at the helm, I'm very hopeful. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even look at who's directing it. I didn't look either. Um, I got you. You got me? Can't yeah, look I got at you. But just, I will say this to the too. Next 10 questions. Yeah, I will say this though about that. <laughs> that Tom Hanks Pinocchio, because remember, he's talking about the Tom Hanks Pinocchio. He's not talking about the Guillermo del Toro film. That Tom Hanks Pinocchio. David Lowry. And what else did he direct? Um, As you look at that part. Direct, we're talking about the director of Peter Pan, right? Peter Pan right. and Wendy. new one. The uh, yeah. Green Knight, A Ghost Story. Oh, my God. That's right. He the did Green The Green Knight. Knight. Ghost Story. Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon. I liked that Pete's Dragon. Old man, old, the Old Man and the Gun. 
I love that movie. Yeah, so he's got some good stuff under his belt. Okay, well, now I'm particularly excited about this movie. But I, I will say this about the Pinocchio film. I also thought the Pinocchio film looked good, too. And it was awful. <laughs> but I thought I thought that because they got the design of Pinocchio to look just like he did in the animated thing. And, and it's Tom Hanks as Geppetto. And I thought it looked really good. Mm -hmm. But it was not. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, now knowing that the guy who directed Pete's Dragon and Old Man and the Gun and... The Green Knight. Green Knight right. with cool. Dev Patel. You and, know what? Yeah. It, it even visually looks a little bit like the Green Knight. You know, the color palette. It does have a little bit of that. I wouldn't be surprised if we found out he's using the same cinematographer. I'm not saying that he did, <laughs> but I would not doubt it. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Stubble McShave. I'd like to see the combination of two bear franchises, Cocaine Paddington. I'd watch that. No, don't. Oh, that'd be Paddington. sad. Hey, don't listen. Don't touch my Paddington. Paddington comes from the deep, dark jungles of Peru. Who knows what little stash oh you can come God. across? Or oh, come on, John. Paddington with a little, you know, a little whatever going on. Paddington's <laughs> got to have a good time. We need it to be. Hey, remember, Paddington was in prison in Paddington 2. He was in prison. He may have come under some a negative influences. That made you wear pink jumpsuits? <laughs> and he, that looked comfortable as heck? And he baked, made marmalade. <laughs> we need it to be Paddington Bear. And do you remember the, the bear that it was like Snuggles or something? The laundry? Oh, my the laundry God. Yes, bear? I remember that bear. And he can eat Tide Pods. That. <laughs> That bear was all about cocaine. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. That bear was nothing but a big, giant walking billboard for cocaine. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Tide pod bear. <laughs> all right. What's next? Okay. Joey Baboey writes, I've seen both James Wan, Patrick Wilson, and The Rock speak on remaking or doing a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China yep. over the last few years. Uh, do you think this is necessary or is it an example of a classic that... Probably better left as is. Everybody who watches my show knows exactly what I'm going to say first. No film in the history of cinema has ever been necessary. It's just true. There's no film ever made that has been necessary. Films get made because they think it might entertain the audience and maybe it can make some money. That, that's it. That's the film industry. Um, the reality is, I think any movie can be remade. And because you know my philosophy on remakes. If the remake is good then we've got a new movie that we can all enjoy. And if it's not good, then we can just discard it and go back to the original. It, th there's no harm done. No harm done. And here's the reality too. That Big Trouble in Little China was not as beloved as some people like to make it out to be. It, the reality is it was met, met with real mixed reactions. Oh yeah, it, it flopped. Yeah. And so let's not pretend and, and put on rose-colored gas and pretend like it like all the film fandom knows that it's a beloved classic. Not everybody feels that way. And the reality, too, is that movie came out forever ago. We're talking decades and decades and decades ago. And so there's a lot of the movie-going audience today that has never seen the original yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. So when they first start talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing it, and now other people talking about it, too, I'm all for it. I'm not think I don't think you need to do it, but what's the harm? Give it do it, give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, just like any other movie doesn't work. But if it does, we've talked about this a lot on the show. There have been studies that have shown that when a remake comes out, more people go back and watch the original than before that remake came out. So if you love the original Big Trouble in Little China, then a, doing a remake will get more people and more new people to check out the original than ever would. So there's no downside to trying to remake. I'm all for it. All right, what's next? All right, we've got CJ Rebirth. Is Scott here? Oh, you know what? 
Window crash, he just left. Really? Grabs coat? Yeah, sorry, Scott runs past knives. I don't know what that's in reference to. I, I think it's uh, Scott Pilgrim. I was going to say it's a Scott Pilgrim. Oh, oh, Scott Pilgrim. When he says runs past knives, we're not talking about physical knives. We're talking about yeah. knives. What was her last name? Chu? Chow. Chow. Chow? It's C-H-A-U. She was, I, she was cute. I remember watching that movie when it first came out. I was like, that girl's adorable. I, I, don't, I don't know who the actress is or what she's done since then, but I thought she was adorable. Anyway, you know, look that up for me. Who played her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? What, she's, what has she done since? Well, I, how about no? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were talking about knives, right? Yes, about okay. knives. All yeah, right. With a cinematographer for uh, Wendy and, or Peter Pan and Wendy, uh, did uh, Peace Dragon with that director. And okay. then he also did Ring, The Ring Ooh. way back when. Really? The yeah. remake? Yeah. Not, not the original Asian uh, version. 2002. Obviously. Okay. Nice. The Ring. Neat. All right, we got time right. for just a couple more. What's uh, next? Dominic Suma, I had an epiphany the other day where I realized that now I'm looking forward to the DC movies much more than the Marvel movies. Not since before Batman v Superman uh, has it been this way for me. But then thereafter, it probably went away. Listen, I said, um, I've said before that I think right now DC is better positioned for future success than Marvel is. Now, that is not me saying DC will be more successful than Marvel moving forward. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, when you look at the positioning, DC has a really unique opportunity right now to do something that that Marvel doesn't have the opportunity to do, which is to kind of go back to square one if you want to and kind of relaunch things. And, and with James Gunn at the helm, I have got a lot of faith in the future now the reality is we are not going to see the james gunn effect on the dcu until superman legacy comes out in 2025 we're not going to see what the results are but i have a hell of a lot of faith but listen kevin feige is still kevin feige make no mistake about it he is still and until until somebody beats the man he's still the man Kevin Feige is the man. And until somebody takes that title from him, he's the guy. But I, I've got a lot of faith in uh, DC going forward. What do we got? First of all, I'd like to confirm that she was really cute. <laughs> Thank she you was. for that confirmation. Um, and also, she was in just TV series, Dark Matter, Glow. Glow, the wrestling yeah. Oh, was that her in yeah. Glow? Mm -hmm. I the, never knew that. And the Carrie Diaries. I don't know what that is. I, well, that that the Carrie Diaries was like a prequel to Sex and the City, which I, I never watched, so I have no idea about that. But she that. was in Glow and Dark Matter, but nothing, nothing. I had no, no idea that was the girl from Glow. No idea. That's amazing. All oh, right. So you know specifically who she was then. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, okay. I know the character she played. All right. Last question of the day. All what do we right. got? Uh, talk and enter. Uh, uh, move see. up a little bit. There we go. There you go. Talking entertainment with Josie. Regal's movies uh, movie was Champions. Oh, okay. and I thought it was funny, cute, and charming. It's what the Ringer tried to do. Champions is feel good, fun time. That's cool. I want to see. I that. like that because you know what I I kind of got, got kind of turned off of the Regal Mystery Monday movies because two times in a row they were just Apple TV Plus movies that were coming out like a week later, right. and it's like, got and it was like, yeah, got him. <laughs> well, it's like the first one was like greatest beer run ever, which even though it had Zac yeah. Efron in, which I love Zac Efron, the the movie was not very good. And then they did another Ho Hummer one, but this this is one with Woody Harrelson about an NBA coach who is convicted of a crime. He gets charged community service, and he has to coach a special needs basketball team. Now look. I didn't like the ringer uh, that Johnny Knoxville did a bunch of years ago. They meant well. Their heart was in the right place making that movie. And I know this was not what they intended. Their heart was totally in the right place. But when I was watching the ringer, 
I just felt more like they were making jokes at the at, expense. Yeah. You walked of, out of that movie, right? And I did. I left. I was just uncomfortable with it. Like, yeah. I, I was never mad at them. I knew they meant well. It's just that the jokes came across that they weren't laughing with them. It felt yeah. like they were laughing at them. It's hard. I had one of our viewers actually write us this morning that specifically said, John, I went to go see Champions. I guess they were at the midnight, uh, the, 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 uh, the Regal screening yesterday. And they said, it's not, uh, it's not that movie at all. This is really good. I've heard really good things about coming out of that. And I am suddenly actually very, very, very interested in checking this movie out. So uh, thank you for the recommendation yeah, I'm on that. I'm a sucker for sports movies too. Yeah. No matter what the subject is on. I, I, they, sports I, movies are the, make the best content yeah, yeah. for movies. I mean, it's just great. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all of our channel members who sent in those questions, number one, because he gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, by being channel members, you supported our channel and all of us involved here with the channel. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget, guys, to come on back and join us for tomorrow's installment of the John Campbell Show. Oh, and by the way, a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, that's 6 p.m. New York time, Robert Meyer Burnett will be in here hosting an open mic. So if you guys got some thoughts, theories, questions, and opinions you'd like to hear Rob address, come on back and join him for open mic. All right, guys, for Ray Ora sitting back there, we got Taylor who has been running the show here today, Jonathan Voico over there. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.